Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God, the living one, be and abide with us all by the power of his blood, by his grace and his mercy. Amen. Today we conclude our series, The Road to Recovery, that we've been in for the last several weeks. We've been talking about all the things that we were instructed to do related to the pandemic. And at the time that we started this, things were looking good. It was early July, I think. And we'd been open for a couple of weeks. And, well, maybe there were a couple people in the room who were wearing masks, but not many. But here we are. So the pandemic happened. Well, it's not past tense, right? The pandemic is still happening. And over this time, we've talked about sheltering in place, washing our hands, maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, and all of those things are important. But when we were doing those things, you know, back in, I don't know, from the spring till probably summer of 2020, when that was the approach, there was one more thing that we were waiting for, right? There was one more thing we could social distance and mask and shelter and all the things, right? Wash our hands, maintain our hygiene, all that. But that was all preventative. There was hope on the horizon because we heard along the way that there was yet to come a vaccine. That the vaccine was being created and tested and at least with emergency approval, it could start getting injected, jabbed, I think is the word that I heard being used quite often. Everybody go get jabbed, right? And it started with those frontline people, healthcare workers and people whose professions put them in contact with a lot of people, put them out there where they would be more likely to be exposed to the virus, and people who were in the more vulnerable age group in particular, and that's where it started, and it rolled out from there, right? The vaccine was coming, and it was free to the recipient anyway. We were looking for the hope. We can't quite call it cure, right? but something that would overwhelm the virus and solve our common condition. Like we've done each week as we talk about the issues we have with the pandemic, that's metaphorical for, is that a word, metaphorical? It is, right? It's a metaphor. We'll just use it that way. Metaphor for the common condition that we have as God's created people living in this sinful and broken world. Our common condition that we talk about today is that we are infected with sin. We're infected with sin. Ever since the garden, the serpent, the fruit, we have received sinful condition. We're born that way. And we can't help it, and we can't overcome it. Psalm 51 verse 5 says it this way, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Those words were written by King David, 
in his penitential psalm. The one that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Take not your spirit from me. It's a time when David was in deep repentance for sins he had committed. And since he tried to cover up, maybe we've felt the same way. Maybe we've felt that way with David, that we've been overwhelmed with guilt for our sin. And we do sin. Sometimes we choose it. And other times, it's because we cannot overcome this nature. The Apostle Paul writes it this way in Romans chapter 7, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Maybe you've struggled in the same way that Paul did. Maybe there's some sin that's just like grass around the axle. Ever drive in a field, maybe with a tractor? I'm, I'm seeing some nods from people who grew up on farms. So city folks, bear with us for a moment. <laughs> the high grass can get wrapped around the axle, and then it just keeps turning around that axle. And it could get pulled out and just wrap around there until it becomes so tight that it becomes a problem. Where you have to crawl under the tractor or the trailer and cut it loose. Sometimes sin clings to us in that way, where it's wrapped around our axle, where it just gets tighter and tighter. And it has this grip on us that we can't break free from. We can't go in a different direction or keep moving forward because that sin is with us. Elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about struggling against sin and against the flesh, but we all fail. Because Romans 3 tells us all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we confess those sins. We did this as we gathered today. We confessed our sin, our sinfulness in our nature and our sinfulness by our choices with the idea that we would turn from them and lay them before God because we are guilty. We confess because we acknowledge our need for mercy. We might try to overcome, but it's impossible because we have insufficient immunity. We have an amazing immune system in our bodies. It's, it's an, an incredible system that God put in us with, when he put us together. White blood cells and antibodies and how it all works is a mystery to me. But we fight off illnesses and diseases and viruses all the time. I was reading um, about our immune system this week you know, for this purpose. And I read something that said we come in contact with as many as 100 million viruses a day. That was on the internet, so you know it's true. I mean, that's, that number sounds so striking that it sounds like it's made up, right? It sounds like one of those kid numbers, right? How many, how many uh, pennies do you have? Oh, I have six gajillion, right? Sounds like one of those kind of numbers. And maybe that's true, I don't know, but I know that we come in contact with a lot. And not just viruses, but bacteria and things that will make us sick. And our immune system attacks those things and fends off illnesses and diseases all the time. It's happening all the time. Right now, your immune system is at work. It hasn't had a day off ever. That's how it works. 
Those white blood cells find those things, those antibodies say, here it is, here it is, here it is. And the white blood cells attack that invader, that virus, that bacteria, whatever it is, that was seeking to infect you and make you sick. But here's the thing. Our immune system is not foolproof. We already know that. Because there's viruses that our immune system can't overcome. There are diseases that our immune system fights against, but it's a battle. And maybe you fought a disease. Maybe you fought against an illness. And you know that our insufficient immunity needs help. Because there's no cure. Things like the flu, polio, measles, and now COVID. Our immune system needs help for these things. Remember a few years ago, it was October of 2019, when a few people getting the measles was a big deal and made the news. Now if that happened, people would be like, meh, right? Because we have millions of cases of COVID happening around the world, or that have happened. But it was October of 2019, and there was an exposure at Disneyland of the measles and it was a big deal because in 2014, maybe you remember that too, there had been an outbreak that was tied back to someone at Disneyland who had the measles, who was there. But go back even further, and in 2000, measles was believed to have been eliminated from the United States. So this disease that was supposedly eliminated because if nobody has the virus, then the virus can't multiply or do the things that it does in the host cells. Yeah, you can read about viruses, right? And so if nobody has it, well, it can't be spread. So it was believed that nobody had it until, well, Mickey, I guess, had it. Our sinful, or our, our sinful system, we fight against. But our immune system against sin is weak. We struggle against temptation. James 1 verse 14 says this, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You've been tempted. I've been tempted. We face temptation every single day. It's like those viruses that are all around us, 100 million possibly. And maybe we face something that feels like 100 million temptations a day. And for each of us, the one that will work its way through, find the breach in your defenses, is different. Because we're all tempted not completely differently, but we have different responses to those temptations. What's on the trap for you? What's there for, for you, waiting for you? We've had rodents in our house from time to time. You probably have too. So we put something tempting there on the trap, right? Something that entices that rodent to get a little closer, to give it a sniff, and maybe try to take a bite. And that's when we get them. The same thing happens with temptations for us because it's something that's there and it lures us in and that's when it gets us. 
Because we face that temptation, we struggle against it, but oftentimes we, we fail. For some, it's food. For others, it's pleasure. For others, relationships that aren't healthy. For others, wealth at whatever cost. Desire is powerful. I didn't coin this phrase, but I think it, it's just stuck with me for a lot of years. Opportunity knocks, temptation kicks in the door. James goes on in verse 15. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Our response to temptation too often is to give in. We struggle, and sometimes not all that much. And we sin, and we fall into those traps. And when we find ourselves there, we want to be part of the solution, right? We want to overcome on our own power, on our own strength. There's this human nature desire to be self-reliant. And our culture just reinforces that all the time. Who do we celebrate? The self-made man or woman. The Olympics have been on for the last couple of weeks, and we celebrate the accomplishments. And a lot of times they'll do those, those backstory video things that tell you about it athletes. And the, and the ones that get a lot of attention, and they should, I mean, it's, it, it's something to celebrate. The ones who had a really hard backstory and, you know, these athletes who were maybe raised by a single mom who was working a couple of jobs to support them and, you know, and built them up, and then they, and they just fell in love with the sport and dedicated themselves to it, and they've just gone from something really hard and difficult and to something successful and accomplishing great things. And that is something to celebrate. But we get that reinforcement all the time where if you can overcome, that's awesome. We can't overcome. We want to be part of the solution, but how does that work? What happens when we're helpless? We are vulnerable to disease. A chiropractor that we see, well, Paula sees him regularly, and I used to, had a poster on the wall that says, disease is dis-ease. We are no longer at ease. And the disease of our sinfulness has taken the ease out of our lives. Our immune system is unable to fight. External means are needed. And that's true about the diseases that we face. We need external help. We need some intervention from someone who can help us. In Christ, we receive the complete cure. Vaccines train our immune system to fight those infections. That's how they work. It doesn't actually directly fight the infection that you have or the virus that you have. It trains your immune system so that when that virus arrives, your immune system can recognize it. The cure that we have in Christ is through the death of Jesus that covers our sin. This is the cure. Romans chapter 5, verse 19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. 
the one man's disobedience, the fall into sin, the sinful condition that we receive, that all has affected us. But through the one man's obedience, through the obedience of Jesus, who took on flesh, who took on our sins upon himself, who went to the cross in obedience to lay down his life. While we were still sinners, while we were still helpless and weak, Christ Jesus died for us. And it's his death that offers us this mercy. It's through his blood that was shed that we are saved by grace. We're redeemed by Christ. Our guilt is removed. Our sin is atoned for. We are washed in the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus does that. It's the external help that we require. Not to train our defenses to fight against sin, but to wash us clean, pure, to remove that guilt. There's power in the blood. When I was at the seminary, we had to do a, an institutional module, which meant we went to some kind of institution where there was a chaplain or someone serving uh, a group of people. And you could do that at um, like nursing homes or you know, medical kinds of institutions, hospitals or whatever. But the one that I ended up getting assigned to was um, like a halfway house for juvenile, um, like juvenile detention. It wasn't the juvenile detention center. It was kind of an, a place in between. So some of the people who were there, young men, were on their way to the juvenile detention center, and some were on their way out. But they would gather these young men, probably between the ages of about 9 or 10, and probably 15, 16, 17 years old. Older than that, and in that range, they were probably going to be uh, connected to adult places. But this section of adolescent kids who'd had some kind of trouble, maybe they were runaways, maybe they'd done vandalism. We, we didn't ask them. It wasn't really our business, honestly. But they would gather them for a time with a couple of seminarians and the chaplain and because I could, I got to bring my guitar with me, and there was a song that the, a couple of boys, because they were there for multiple weeks, most of them, and there was this couple, a couple of boys who requested, there's power in the blood as a song. And it wasn't one that was familiar to me, but maybe you've heard it before. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And that's totally true for you and for me, not just for boys who are in some juvenile system, but for each and every one of us. There's power in the blood. The song asks this question, would you be relieved from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus to relieve our sin, to clean us, to cleanse us from that. And we see that in our gospel lesson for today. Probably familiar words, familiar setting. We often read that or a similar reading from one of the other Gospels on Monday, Thursday, because it's the institution of the Lord's Supper. 
the setting they were in was Passover, which connects all the way back to the exodus from Egypt. And there's so much, um, there's, there's such a matrix of things going on in that scene. Because it's the Old Testament um, Passover event that they're reliving, retelling, thinking about God rescuing the people from Egypt, from their bondage, from enslavement. And Jesus, in that setting, says, this is my blood of the new covenant, covenant which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. So the old thing that we've remembered year after year after year for, well, a long, long time, was anticipating the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The Passover lamb that was slaughtered was representative of the blood of the lamb who was slain for the people of God. Jesus, the son of God. So in all of that, he takes the cup and says, this is my blood. That cup we receive today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper is the cup of that new covenant, the blood of Jesus that is poured out for us. Those Old Testament sacrifices, blood was shed in them, but we remembered in our Bible class last week what the book of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. For about a year and a half, we've been fighting against this pandemic through various means. To keep from getting infected, not to become a carrier. With Jesus, we receive a cure, a complete cure that removes our sin and our guilt. But we need to be carriers. Be contagious. Don't keep the cure to yourself. Yesterday I was listening to the radio and heard a news story that said that there are animals now being vaccinated uh, in various places. And at first I thought, seriously? We got people taking their pets to get the shot? So I kept listening because it caught my attention. I'm thinking, there's people who need this virus and we're giving it away to cats? <sighs> it's zoo animals because there's some susceptibility there. And it's a virus that was specifically um, designed for the animal population of zoos. It's being distributed to zoos all over the country. I thought, okay, because it said on the news, it literally said that it's not uh, taking away virus supply from people. And I was like, oh, good, because I totally judged that it was there when I first heard the headline. We want people to get the cure, to get the vaccine, to receive the blood of Christ. We want people to have what we have, the forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation. Maybe you sang that song, This Little Light of Mine, when you were this old, or this old. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. All around the neighborhood. This is, people need, they need the cure that we have, so share the love of Christ. Because it's the love of Christ that everyone needs. Whatever we're going through, we need the love of Christ. In Romans 8, we heard these words. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have the cure. It didn't cost us anything. It cost Christ everything. We have it and we can give it away because other people need it. Be contagious. Share the cure. There's power in the blood. Amen.